You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. This is Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneurs Podcast. Today, we have Arika Savikate uh, from Helmet-Based Ventilation on with us. Um, Arika, thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm very happy to join this conversation <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, excited about learning about entrepreneurs and nursing, too, from you and sharing my story. Awesome. All right. So give us a little bit of background about you and you as a nurse and what you've been doing. And uh, then let's talk about how you came up with this uh, business idea. I've been a nurse in my heart since I remember myself. So that was very easy for me to make a decision where to go, what schools to take and et cetera. And uh, I did grow up in uh, Lithuania uh, and uh, I came to United States about 20 years ago and after getting my nursing license, I started to work at University of Chicago Medical ICU. And um, in, uh, so it, it's, uh, it took me a couple of years to make sure that I get there and, uh, you know. Um, but um, after working in uh, medical ICU for so many years, I decided to, uh, proceed further with my education. So I started to study uh, at Rush uh, and I finished uh, and got my nurse practitioner degree there in acute care and geriatrics. So that was happening back in 2014. And actually during that time, I was very excited to see a lot of studies happening in our, in our unit. And as you know, all the university hospitals always have something going on. So it was uh, a perfect opportunity to learn something new and also, you know, to, to start applying that in your daily practice. And that's when uh, first time I saw a helmet interface that was used for the non-invasive positive pressure ventilation. Uh, and uh, even my capstone paper for school was about the patient uh, who received non-invasive ventilation via helmet interface. So that was back in 2014. And then, as you know, in 2019, 2020, when uh, we started to see the pandemic spreading to the Western world, uh, especially Italy, a lot of people noticed these helmets on the patients. Um, so this is where I started to bring awareness to, to the public in US. First was the goal to make sure that everybody knows in the United States that we can also use the same interface to help patients uh, who have COVID. And uh, that's that was, you know, not very, Planned. It just happened that I started the helmetbasedventilation.com where I put all the information that I know about the helmet use, also where I gathered all the evidence-based practice, all the protocols from Italy, 
And why from Italy? Because they've been using helmets for over 20 years now. Okay. <clears throat> now, just for it, because this is an audio podcast, um, and I want people to understand, because I'm on your website right now, when you're saying helmet, I'm thinking of like a football helmet, but this is like <laughs> a spaceship helmet where it goes over your head completely, right? Yes. So it uh, does look a little bit bulky and maybe funny. Uh, when it's not inflated, it looks like a plastic bag. But when it inflates, it is actually a transparent uh, plastic hood that is, uh, and your your whole head is in that hood and the seal is created around your neck. So this is where, how we can create that high pressure in a helmet and so oxygenated and pressurized air uh, helps these patients to uh, breathe easier and have a better gas exchange. Okay. So, and, uh, and this is much yeah. better than, I mean, your typical um, non, um, you know, your typical positive pressure type thing is where, you know, they stick stuff in your nose or they stick something in, you know, and it's like forcing air into you, but it's very uncomfortable. Um, is that something that this is supposed to um, alleviate that uncomfortableness or what is it like being in that helmet? Exactly. So uh, as you know, you mostly uh, what we use for the positive pressure ventilation that is non-invasive is the face mask. So it covers your nose and your mouth. Uh, there are also high flow nasal cannula uh, type of uh, ventilation, but with those you are not able to achieve that high pressure, which can benefit a lot of patients. Um, so another thing I wanted to uh, listeners to understand that with uh, non-invasive ventilation, or even with invasive ventilation, what we are doing, we are actually giving patient more time so the other therapies start to work. So what we wanted to do, we want to make sure that patient is able to breathe, uh, not to get exhausted from uh, um, work of breathing and uh, oxygenate well, and at the same time, you know, uh, have a good CO2 uh, exhale. So we want to make sure that he has enough time to heal. And at the same time, uh, also for the patient's immune system to, you know, kick in and fight with the pathogen that caused the problem in the first place. So the challenge is usually a, a few with non-invasive ventilation. So patient selection. So we have to be very careful to select the correct patient for that therapy. Uh, they have to be awake, uh, they have to be compliant, and uh, also it depends how sick they are. Another thing is the clinician's level of experience. The confident physician and the staff, medical staff at the bedside will always uh, be more successful than the ones to, who are new to the therapy and who don't know the troubleshooting and all the other tricks that we use uh, in the ICU on a daily basis. So, and the third thing is the type of interface. And unfortunately, non-invasive ventilation um, lost its popularity uh, when we had a, a polio outbreak. So a little bit about history here. <laughs> so that happened uh, because uh, uh, during the polio outbreak in US, we started to use invasive mechanical ventilation. 
And uh, because the interfaces and all other, uh, and the, at the same time machines were not very compatible with non-invasive ventilation and also were very uncomfortable for the patients. So it kind of lost its interest. It lost the popularity in the, uh, among the medical staff. But now, because the new technology is here, we have different materials that we can use and different designs, including helmet, we, the non-invasive ventilation, ventilation is gaining its uh, you know, popularity back here in, in our hospitals. So uh, that's where we will, with the interface, it's like you mentioned, it's very important, the comfort. Because if the patient is uncomfortable on, on a non-invasive ventilation, they will be in pain. So that will require some pain medication that can compromise their breathing. Also, uh, patients will be, some patients just going to give up and they will say, that's it, I don't want to use this mask. Uh, they will have a skin breakdown caused by the interface. And that's usually with the face mask because when patient will need that higher pressure, that air pressure that helps to ventilate the lung, we have to unfortunately press the mask sometimes harder so we can avoid those air leaks around the interface. And what happens, we start to develop some pressure ulcers on their um, uh, on their face, on their nose bridge. And it's not just painful to watch. It's really, uh, I can imagine how painful it is for the patient. So that's if we, as a, all the medical engineers and the physicians and nurses, we can uh, help the patient to avoid those complications during NIV, we can definitely improve the outcome for the patient. And at the same time, we can save money for the hospital. So, and I would say, cause my background is uh, neurocritical care. And uh, so we put, we always tried to, to avoid putting a lot of our patients on the ventilator for multiple reasons, but we also had a lot of very agitated, confused. And when you're oxygen deprived, it's, it makes it a thousand times worse. So putting the, um, the, the positive pressure, uh, cannula on these people or high flow stuff was like a nightmare because they would just rip it off. Right. <laughs> and and yeah. then you just end up yeah. intubating him. So th this looks like it solves a lot of those problems because, um, I mean, the person you can't really, can you rip that off or like, how does that, I mean, it, I think it would be probably not as agitating as, as having something forced up your nose, but, um, <laughs> what's it called? Have yeah. you put one on before? So definitely, so first question that I always hear for, from a medical um, community is, will it cause more anxiety and claustrophobia for the patients? And these patients, like you mentioned, neuro patients, sometimes very confused. Well, actually, when I looked at all the studies that are available right now, it actually will cause less anxiety and claustrophobia, less than 1% less than the face mask causing. And it's a very simple reason why, because nothing is touching patient's face. So the patient can wear glasses. The patient can take sips of water, cough freely without anything obstructing their mouth or nose. Patients also 
can be more independent during NIV because uh, through with the helmet, because we can suction their mouth, we can take those sips of water, you know, we can cough and uh, uh, read and uh, communicate. So that's why when we talk about the comfort, it's important to, to make sure that uh, we're putting more, you know, uh, we make the patient independent, less anxious, and more compliant with the therapy. And I think it's just going to help them to use it for longer time. And like I mentioned before, then other therapists, therapists will kick in and uh, start to work on a main cause of the, the respiratory um, distress. Okay, so now you created this helmet, um, and uh, is this just for critical care use, or is this something that people can use at home with like their CPAP machines, or um, what? What is the use for this? So the helmet interface can be used pre-admission. That means anywhere during the patient transfer, ambulance, helicopter, plane, and uh, you can find a lot of. Uh, data about that and the settings that are used so patients can travel. Um, and uh, actually, I talked with a few physicians in uh, Brazil where for some patients, it's a very long trip to get to that mm-hmm. nearest hospital. So they would spend about four or five hours in the ambulance. And uh, that's why they used helmet CPAP. So helmet interface, and they just uh, use the simple um uh, CPAP therapy for them. So pre-admission, definitely in ER, uh, and then uh, uh, step-down units, so it doesn't require ICU. Again, it will depend on the a, on a level of uh, uh, experience of clinicians who are using these helmets. Uh, so in Italy, we're using uh, the helmets uh, in the step-down units, and then for the sicker ones who usually require maybe more bi-level ventilation or uh, how we call it BiPAP uh, settings, then we usually go to the ICU. And okay. uh, also it can be used after extubation. So patients who are still maybe not strong enough or their sedation is not totally worn off, they can actually transition from the uh, from the mechanical ventilation to the non-invasive and have a helmet on. Another place where is a helmet used is uh, for patients who have DNR, DNI status. So again, we're talking about a very large population where family and patients decided that they don't want it to be on a ventilator. And uh, with the helmet, because of so many benefits, especially in the comfort uh, area, we can help these patients to spend better quality time with their families and painless uh, state also. Okay. They, can they talk through these? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um Yeah, it looks, uh, it looks amazing. So but how did you come up with the design idea for it? So just want to make sure that uh, everybody understands I didn't invent the helmet. The helmet okay. was already invented and its uh, first use was in hyperbaric medicine, actually. 
And that's why uh, so, uh, during the study at University of Chicago, we used the helmet that was designed for the hyperbaric medicine patients. Okay. But I, in, go ahead. So yeah, what happened in Italy, uh, you know, in 1990s, they uh, didn't have so many ICU units or uh, there was a limited number of beds that they could have in a hospital. And the physicians uh, were looking for better ways to treat the patients and prevent that ICU admission. So they, that's when they tried the helmet that actually was made in US and uh, they saw great benefits. And we also noticed that for the operator, it was very easy to manage patient with the helmet. So this is when we now talking that in US we have huge shortage for nurses and a lot of, you know, overworked medical staff. This is why it's important that simple device like that actually can save the, uh, to reduce the workload for the, uh, not just for, for the nurses, also for the respiratory therapists and physicians. And uh, when uh, uh, Italians noticed that uh, all these results came back so great after few studies, we started to use more and more in the hospital. And this is why most of the helmets are made in uh, Italy and they are now available in US. So when I started helmetbasedventilation.com, Italy, Italy actually didn't allow any export of helmets to other countries because we, be, we used so many of them in their hospitals. And uh, we were trying to find the ways, how can we make our own helmet here in US that is more comfortable for the patient. So a lot of uh, interesting you know, partners got involved, including the space industry, like NASA, spaceship company, uh, and Virgin Galactic. And they made the helmet and uh, it, it's, it, it was an interesting time. Uh, but then uh, by the end of 2020, two helmets got the FDA way approval, and one of them was American-made, another was Italian. So now we have more helmets available here in the U.S. And, uh, but during that time, I noticed there was not much education provided about this technology. And this is why I made the course that is available online. It's a four-hour course about helmet interface with all the protocols, with all the evidence-based data uh, supported, uh, you know, uh, guidance, how to start the ventilation, how to troubleshoot. And uh, it's actually beneficial for the physicians, nurses, and respiratory therapists. So I made sure that I included all the settings that have to be used for the helmet when you connect it to the machine, because obviously you can see the difference between the face mask and the helmet. So definitely it will require different settings. And then, you know, what to do to succeed. So that's that's my story. <laughs> and So do you distribute um, helmets? Do you sell helmets or are you solely in the educational piece of this? At this moment, I'm solely in educational piece of it, and uh, I'm interested to, uh, you know, talk at the hospitals to guide 
the medical staff, how to use them, also to create teams or because for any new uh, device, you will need a champion yes. on your team and definitely a 24-hour support. Um, so I can talk from my practice and also from uh, what I hear from other experts in that field. So this this is what I do. Um, the last presentation that I did was in uh, New Zealand, where I was invited by the acute care uh, team uh, where uh, they have annual uh, meetings. So it was very interesting to see how they work in their hospitals. And I did notice that we don't have so many ICU rooms like we do in the US uh, for many different reasons. But uh, yeah, they, uh, they like the interface and I hope it's gonna be used more often in that country too. Yeah, no, it, it looks fascinating. But how many hospitals would you estimate or guesstimate are actually using this and why or why not, I guess, are they ad adopting it? Good question and very hard to answer because from the manufacturers, you may not going to relieve that information. It's their you know own internal policy that we have. And then uh, from hospitals who are using, also sometimes you're not gonna hear about helmets because it's HIPAA or they, you know, like I would like to see more patients actually sharing their stories on a helmet. Uh, but I know that the, uh, the veteran hospital is using them and I hope it's gonna be adopted in more locations. But uh, in Chicago, I did go a few times to, um, to uh, to present helmet, and then uh, uh, University of Chicago Hospital definitely is using. So I wish I could tell you who is using. <laughs> so you just uh, have to figure out, like hospital by hospital, who's actually using the helmet, and then offer consulting services, basically. Yeah, that would be an option. But I by by uh, my goal is actually to have more uh, more people who can uh, go through the course, mm -hmm. the online course, because that's going to save so much time and money for them. All the research that I did, that and, and uh, especially when you have so much information coming from Italy, just, uh, you know, just translating some of it is <laughs> very time consuming. And uh, honestly, I'm noticing like uh, when I talk with some helmet users, like first time users, I'm noticing that a lot of uh, clinicians are cutting some corners. <laughs> and uh, I understand uh, that you want that uh, device to apply faster and see the all the benefits that you hear from the studies. But there are few very important things to remember. And you just cannot assume that the same setting that you use for the face masks will work for the helmet. So just follow the protocols, not uh, try to go around, just use what Italians been using so, for so many years. Mm -hmm. And they did, so that's why I would like to see more, uh, more clinicians actually 
getting the course and going through the course. Uh, we can skip like the history part, okay? The module <laughs> one. <laughs> it's like in school, but then everything after is actually very important information. And that's going to help not just the, the like uh, the champion of the of this new device, but also we can share that with the rest of the staff that who can learn on their own. And then definitely you will need to create your own protocol for your facility. This is, uh, I, I believe in that rule that, you know, what you own, you're going to follow. Right. <laughs> so you wanna make sure you have your multidisciplinary team together. And I also uh, made a, a module just for that, how to implement it much easier, something new like this in your facility. Okay. And because it is, it, it is much different than what we're um, currently used to. Is that what, that's, um, that's what you're saying? Uh, like, cause with the, the nasal uh, positive pressure ventilation, um, this like helmet is, is much different. Yeah, it is very different. And when we talk about the uh, high flow nasal cannula and we used to use high flow nasal cannula a lot in the hospitals and uh, and it's a good, good therapy to give, but you always wanted to have something extra in your, you know, in your supply room that you can always apply for that patient. We like to switch non-invasive ventilation interfaces on a regular basis because sometimes patient maybe want, feels better. So you want to take the, off the helmet or a face mask and give them high flow nasal cannula. So you cannot just stick to one tool. But when you have more tools in your toolbox, you know, you already uh, have more freedom to to apply different therapies. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'd, again, like I'm just going back to my neuro years. And and one of the things that we didn't want to use NPPV for was because uh, our patients, um, they get very nauseous very easily and they vomit a lot. So we a lot of times weren't able to use it. Um, and is that something, does that helmet... I mean, I guess the sound, it sounds yeah. kind of gross, but it allows them to vomit without having, you know, the fear of aspiration. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. You see, you got it right. This is very important for the, to prevent any aspiration. It's not going to look pretty. We know that <laughs> the helmet is going to be, you know, you will have a vomit in the helmet inside the helmet, but. <laughs> better in the better helmet than in your lungs, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because, uh, you know, with a face mask, it's very traumatic event and uh, it doesn't end very well for some patients. So definitely helmet is a great, great uh, choice for these patients. And also it helps to uh, lower the vertigo feeling mm -hmm. uh, just just because the pressure in your ear and your uh, nose and your mouth is the same in a helmet, but with the face mask is different because it face mask covers only nose and the mouth. So that's why uh, some of these patients who are very sensitive uh, to it, they, they will feel much more comfortable. Okay. And another thing, again, let's talk about the infection control with the helmet because the seal around the neck is so good and it's much easier to create that seal around the neck. Uh, all the uh, air that patient is exhaling is filtered out. So 
by just applying a simple antibacterial antiviral filter on an exhalation port, you will actually lower uh, the, the spread of the pathogen that patient has. Well, I mean, I have to say the helmet sounds amazing and it sounds like your course is a vital component to doing it, using it effectively. Um, I mean, this, I, I'm kind of pissed off that it wasn't around when I was in the hospital working as neuro because like this sounds so much better than what we did. I feel like I've tortured a lot of, of people over the last 20 years um, with uh, ventilation and that kind of stuff. So, and this looks so much better, but yeah. Yeah. And like you mentioned, confused patients, uh, they tolerate helmets much better. And I heard that from Italian physicians. They say, yeah. you, you know, just the stories, you know, you have a patient who's spitting around and non, you know, non-compliant, you put a helmet on, he's getting a therapy. And at the same time, you know, everyone is safer <laughs> in, the, in the room. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, if somebody wants to learn more about your course or you have a lot of research and stuff on the helmet as well, I, I mean, everybody's going to go check out this helmet because helmet is not the right word. I don't think it's, it is a space helmet. <laughs> it's all encompassing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's transparent. So you can see the person, which is also really nice. Um, but you got to check that out, but where should they go and, and how can they find out more? So they can go to the helmet based ventilation.com. And uh, there is a contact uh, uh, page where I will answer your email. Uh, also, for the ones who are listening to your podcast, I will give a 50% discount. Oh, wow. So ju just send me an email and uh, tell me where you heard about the helmet-based ventilation, and I will send you the discount code. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thank you very much. This is Katie Harris saying thanks for listening. Remember, if you're a nurse who is ready to start this type of business that you heard about here today on this podcast or any other idea that is burning a fire inside of you, let's talk it out. Click the link inside the show notes to schedule your private discovery call with my team. No sales. This call is just to determine what your idea is and if we can help. Until next time, keep making your impact, nursepreneurs.